Here's a warning, this episode contains sensitive material and swearing, so take care if little ears are about. You look down at the white plastic stick and there it is, two little lines. You are pregnant. (gasps) And your world flips over a couple of times and you want to scream and run around. You are growing a tiny human inside your body. But you know the rules, right? You tell your partner, you tell your bestie, and that's it. Don't tell anyone else. It's actually one of the most exciting things that's ever happened to you, but instead of shouting it to the world, you're secretive, telling lies, making shit up, all part of a conspiracy. Because there's this rule that you don't talk about being pregnant in the early weeks until it's safe. This is unwritten, but everyone knows it. It's called the 12-week rule. Because while early pregnancy can be the happiest time of your life, there is a risk that it could all disappear. It doesn't matter what the gestation is that you lose. You're heartbroken. You didn't want that baby any less because it was six weeks or eight weeks versus 19 weeks or 22 weeks. You loved that baby and you wanted that baby and you're heartbroken that that baby is gone. Hi, my name's Samantha Rowe. I'm a 39-year-old woman. I've had one stillbirth, five miscarriages, a chemical pregnancy. I have no living children as of today. And I think the 12-week rule is outdated and should be wiped. Oh, Sam, that's just horrible. Yeah, it's not not great. (laughs) Clearly I'm not very uh, successful (laughs) at having babies, but I have a lot of um, determination and I haven't given up, so we persist on and hope that number nine will be the lucky number for us. Sam's story is heartbreaking, but it's not uncommon. There are more than 100,000 miscarriages in Australia every year. And those are just the ones we know about. Stats say the odds of miscarriage are highest in the first 12 weeks before women have announced they're pregnant, before they feel like they can announce their pregnancies. But what if miscarriage and the secrecy around that is the very reason we should be talking about pregnancy earlier? I'm Yumi Steins and ladies, we need to talk about the 12-week rule. We had had a normal day. I was sitting at my desk. I started to feel some cramping. Your head goes to a place where you're like, you know, I know what this is. I'm I'm hoping that I'm wrong. So I got up and went to the toilet and, you know, I wiped and there was a little bit of blood. There wasn't a lot, but historically I'm not a... Um, a huge bleeder, to be honest, anyway, in these situations. So um, I know that for me that's concerning. I messaged my partner, Paul, and said, um, this is the situation. And he sort of said, do you want to go to the hospital? Or And, uh, you know, I said, well, it's not much 
point is there, if, if, if I am correct, and this is what's occurring, we have been down this road a few times and um, it's incredibly heartbreaking and sad, but there's nothing they can do for you at that early gestation. So they'll, you know, measure your HCG and take your OBS and that sort of stuff and, and send you home to rest and wait for the results of the tests. So I kept working <laughs> oh, wow. because what do you do? Like, you know, I didn't tell my boss, which is weird. I had a really good relationship with her. But I think um, I think there's a bit of an inner battle that goes on because you're, you're thinking my head is saying this is where we're at. I really mm. think this is where you're going. But your heart's saying, dear God, please let me be wrong, you know, and until it actually completely fully occurs, you you hold on to that hope as I did that we were, you know, if there's one percent chance of, of it being okay, I'm I'm on it. And I was hanging on to that thinking, well, it might not be over. Because every time you rock up at hospital, the one thing they do tell you is bleeding is common in early pregnancy. Here's the brochure which says it happens in most cases, so there's no need to to be alarmed. But I think as women, we're very in tune with our bodies and particularly after having this occur several times, mm. you just know, like you know where it's going. How do you feel about the 12-week rule now? I hate the 12-week rule. <laughs> Our third pregnancy was actually um, twins, so they're identical twin girls who unfortunately at 15 weeks tangled their cords and passed away. Now, as it was my third pregnancy and it was two babies, I started to become quite round quite quick. It became apparent that I couldn't um, not announce until 12 weeks. We had to talk earlier because Mm -hmm. people that saw me were very well aware that I was pregnant. But again, I listened to the guidance of others around me and I, I did hold off announcing until about 10 weeks and it breaks my heart because you know, we could have had a lot longer to enjoy that happy news, share that happy news. And instead, again, I look back and I go, I think it's it's a foolish attitude. Why keep that to yourself and, and not celebrate? It, it's exciting. It's a blessing and it should be acknowledged. You shouldn't hide something so precious. And also you got to 15 weeks and it still didn't end up in a live twins' birth. So it's not like the rule makes sense in your situation anyway, does it? Look, I don't think it makes sense in any situation, to be quite honest. You said in the past you judged women who said that they were pregnant, who kind of made the announcement before 12 weeks. You know, I have. I I remember a certain um, situation in a previous workplace and a young lady announced that she was pregnant and um, then, you know, maybe two weeks later the news came out that she had had miscarried and I actually remember saying to a colleague of mine, you know, oh, I guess, you know, that's kind of what happens when you put it out there, you know, so early. And I feel dreadful now that we have walked the path that we have and having the string of losses that we have including those earlier losses um I know that it hurts just as much and and I've definitely learned the error of my ways I would never ever um advise anyone take that attitude So where does this idea, this attitude, actually come from? Why do we think we can't tell people we're pregnant before 12 weeks? Dr Penny Sheehan is an obstetrician at the Royal Women's Hospital in Melbourne. They see over 9,000 pregnant women every year. 
When I heard this question, I said, well, I've never told anyone not to tell anyone. In fact, I would usually say, you know, share it with a support person and some close family and friends so that you do have some support in that time. So I asked around amongst amongst colleagues. Most of them agreed with me that they would never say, don't tell anyone, but they'd certainly say that, you know, there is a risk of miscarriage and if you do come out and tell people, then you might be faced with the prospect of discussing miscarriages. So the 12-week rule isn't coming from doctors, according to Penny. At 12 weeks, your chances of having a live baby are 97%. At eight weeks, so four weeks earlier, the chance is 92%, so not hugely different. So where does this pressure to keep quiet and pretend that we're not even pregnant come from? Meredith Nash is a sociologist from the University of Tasmania who specialises in pregnant women. For the most part, the 12-week rule exists primarily because most women have an ultrasound scan at 12 weeks. And so that's really become the benchmark for women to feel like the pregnancy is real. Can I tell you about my own pregnancies? I've had four that resulted in live births. With my third daughter, I told people at 11 weeks because I felt pretty cocky that I knew how to do this pregnancy thing. And then (laughs) within days of telling people I had a bleed... And I really felt like it was divine retribution or punishment or, you know, like, how dare you? Mm. In your experience, is that a sort of like a common reaction of women to feel like the miscarriage is punishment for talking about your pregnancy? Yeah, I mean, I think miscarriage is still really mysterious. I mean, miscarriages can't completely be explained even today with all of our technology, and they come by surprise. And so women are very hesitant to tell lots of people about a pregnancy. I mean, women often will tell one or two people. They'll tell a close friend or a close family member because on some level, women, of course, want support. If something goes wrong in the pregnancy or if they end up having a miscarriage, they want to be able to turn to someone and and talk about it. But the thought of, for example, telling everyone at work that you're pregnant and then having to show up at work the next day after having a bleed and then explaining that you're no longer pregnant is just a really horrible thought. And so I think women are a little superstitious about Mm. not jinxing the pregnancy (laughs) and they do, you know, they have their own little rituals, especially if you've had multiple pregnancies, you go by what you know Mm. and what worked before. And um, it's it's a really, it's it's an ambivalent time for women in the first trimester. Superstition aside, Meredith thinks the rule is enforced by the 12-week ultrasound scan, which acts as a real marker during pregnancy. But if we go back, even just to our mother's generations, that scan either didn't exist or wasn't standard. Historically, women were often waiting for the baby to move, to flutter in the belly, which generally happens between 15 and 20 weeks. Prior to ultrasound, pregnancy and fetuses were imagined. We are now a society that relies on the visual to believe that something is real and true. And so ultrasound has had a profound effect on the way that we think about fetuses and the moment when a fetus becomes a baby. It's really important for women at that 12-week mark, for example, to see the fetus on the screen. And even though, and it it seems crazy, but even though women know that they're pregnant, they've done the test, they don't have their period, they're getting all of the signs of pregnancy, they still actually often don't believe that it's real until medicine tells them that it's real. Mm. And that's a really recent phenomenon. 
But in some cases, those scans can reveal the worst news. And if you haven't told anyone you're pregnant, that news is yours to bear alone. You could be riding that high, juiced up on hormones, creating life, you know, no biggie, and then suddenly your hot streak goes cold. I was on a honeymoon. This is Anita. I found out that I was pregnant in a bathroom in Los Angeles. On, we were staying on the Hollywood Boulevard and I remember looking out of the window and seeing the Hollywood sign going, wow, you know, I just found out I was pregnant and there's this Hollywood sign and wow, this is all very exciting. And I shared that information with my husband and obviously that was really nice and that was great. It was a great time. I was very excited. That's so beautiful. You yeah. Could, yeah, you couldn't go and have a champagne, obviously. No. Um, so, But that pregnancy didn't result in a live birth. What happened? No. Um, so when I got back to Australia, um, I went to an ultrasound clinic and really didn't expect it to be, you know, very eventful. I was very excited, obviously, to go see a little picture of my blob at the time. Mm. Um, and I remember getting the scan done and the ultrasound tech just quickly walked out of the room and I'm seeing this image up on the screen thinking, oh, wow, that's all lovely. I think I sat there for probably 20 to 30 minutes before anybody even came back into the room and it was an obstetrician who came back into the room and just said, I'm sorry. And I remember thinking, what are you sorry about? Um, And it really took me quite a bit to actually understand what was going on because I was sort of, didn't even really consider the fact that anything was going to be wrong. I was just pregnant and it was wonderful, you know. Anita lost her honeymoon baby. And you hear this a lot from women who've miscarried. They feel alone in their grief and no one knows quite what to say. We don't do grief well at all. Um, We tend to shy away from it and I think... Communication really is the key and the types of language that we use. The key really is recognising that a pregnancy did exist and the hopes and dreams that you actually had for that pregnancy. Totally. Like that baby already had a college fund and Yeah, and you'd already signed up for all the online, you know, discussion boards and so, you know, you get that reminder in your email box, you know, a week Mm. after maybe you've miscarried that, you you know, your baby should be this big now. And so that's that. it's not just about that one time when you're miscarrying it's you know it continues on throughout other pregnancies as well that worry and grief that you take with you. Another thing is when this is what I've heard when you miscarry you feel like you've failed? Yeah I did I felt like you know I I had gotten pregnant and now my job was to look after this baby and nurture it and my body was meant to do all the right things but no it didn't to me I felt like what is wrong with me you know this keeps on happening all the time it really just knocks the wind out of you. You are one second thinking about, you know, what kind of baby cot or pram you're going to buy and thinking about baby names, even really on in the early stage, of course, because we're so excited. Mm. Um, and then it's like, oh, you know what? That plan doesn't exist anymore. It's just gone, you know, it, there's, and there's nothing you can do about it. And there's very few people that you can talk to. And if you talk to somebody, you know, they say, oh, you know, like, you'll just get pregnant again, you'll get over it, that kind of thing. It's very minimising the conversation. No real validation of how awful it is in that moment. The risk of miscarriage isn't the only reason talking about your pregnancy early is taboo. At 12 weeks, most people find out if their child has a genetic condition like Down syndrome or spina bifida. Meredith, the sociologist, says... 
It's an ethical minefield. You can get some really devastating results. And um, I've had women in studies who have had to make really life-changing decisions about how they were going to proceed with a pregnancy. And women have terminated pregnancies as a result of the information they've been given from medical tests. And that is a really... Uh, no one, no one tells you, no pregnancy book tells you what to do in that situation. If Down syndrome comes up in that 12-week scan, then according to AMA data, 80 to 90% of Australians choose not to continue the pregnancy. Dr Penny says that's another factor in people keeping quiet about their pregnancies. Testing always has this flip side that it's about choice. So you have the test if you think there's a possibility that in certain circumstances you might choose to have a termination. Yep, got it. Yeah, and but, so people don't want to be going, oh, yeah, well, I was pregnant but I had an abortion and yes. having to share, disclose that stuff as well. Yes, yeah. but, but uh, there's no doubt. I don't think miscarriage may or may not be um, a, a personal topic, but I think that abortion a decision to terminate a pregnancy is definitely a very personal topic and um, that's certainly not something that most people would be wanting to disclose. And again, that is a lot about judgement and pressures. So I learnt that pressure, I learnt the rule from the women in my family long before my body was old enough to make babies. My older cousin had a miscarriage and it was like, Yumi, this is why we don't talk about it. And I stuck pretty closely to the rule with my own pregnancies. But if miscarriage happens to one in four pregnancies, then chances are it's happened to someone you know. The executive producer of Ladies We Need to Talk is Monique Bowley. Yumi, before we even begin, Mm. I have to tell you something. I'm prego. (gasps) I just got goosebumps. Did you? Yeah, I'm prego. Congratulations. Thank you. But it's so strange because when I first met you to make this podcast, Mm. I was pregnant. All those planning meetings we had, I was barely able to stand on my feet and hold it together. And I've been lying to you this entire time. You're kidding me. Monique, why did you think you couldn't tell us? I don't tell anyone because I don't... Do you know what? I don't know what it is, but... I think I have a problem with telling people before 12 weeks because <sighs> sorry, I just have to gather my thoughts about this. Because it's the hardest time in your life. It's the worst time of your life. It's the most exciting time of your life, but you're stuck in this purgatory. But I don't want to tell anyone because I have this warrior complex, like a lot of women, where I think, I can do this. I don't want to be a burden to people. I don't want to create a problem. I'm just going to coast through this. Mm. And I am also not one of those people that takes sick days from work. So I don't want people to know that I'm ever going to be a problem in the workplace. So that's why I never tell people. And also there is... That's ridiculous shame that you think, I'll stuff it. If I tell someone, I'll jinx myself. Mm. So have you been lying this whole time at work to everybody? Yep, entirely. And, you know, the worst thing is is I work with a lot of women. And in my last workplace, I worked in a workplace that was full of women who constantly overshared. That Mm. was, it was the place to overshare. There were tampons in the bathroom. There was a 
an office wheat bag. If you had your period, you could, you know, freely say, I need the wheat bag. You know, it was this place of utmost sharing. And when it came to the most intimate thing in my life, I didn't feel like I could say anything to anyone. And then I had a miscarriage. I was naive about the risks of miscarriage and I got pregnant and was very excited. I went online, I bought lots of maternity clothes, I googled pram demonstrations on YouTube. I was fully, fully into my secret pregnancy. I didn't tell anyone about it. And then I had a miscarriage that was completely unexpected and the grief was completely unexpected as well. The worst part was ringing my mum and telling her because I hadn't told her that I was pregnant at all. So ringing her and saying to her, you you were going to be a grandma, but now you're not. Mm. And hearing her cry, that was, re- that was the hardest part of all, I think, was hearing my mum cry. Not because she was hurting, but because she was hurting for me. That was hard. And it doesn't matter how early or late you lose a baby, you lose part of yourself. Like literally you lose part of yourself and you lose such a big part of your heart. The pervasiveness of this 12-week rule seems to come from a combination of inherited superstition, medicine in the form of the 12-week ultrasound and women being expected to bear the burden of our physical body issues privately even when they affect us professionally and even when the continuation of the entire human race depends upon it. Not everyone thinks the rule needs to change. Maybe it needs to bend a lot. But it's clear one thing does need to change. Ladies, there's nothing shameful in grieving your lost, failed or terminated pregnancy, however publicly or privately you choose to do it. Anita, the lady who lost her honeymoon baby, has gone on to have three kids – She's now working at SANS, an organisation which supports people dealing with miscarriage, stillbirth and newborn death. This is her advice for dealing with someone in your life who's lost a baby. I would take the time to actually sit down with that friend and let them sit with their feelings and grief, not try to minimise it and say, oh, look, you know, you'll be okay, do you want to go out and try to sort of, I guess, distract them. I would also encourage them to seek both professional and peer-to-peer support. There's a lot out there that can be provided and really just to talk about their grief. And I think a real key message is, you know, don't be shy to have that conversation with your friends of what were your hopes and dreams for this baby? Mm. You know, have that conversation of what that baby meant to you because I think that's so important. It just gets erased, doesn't it? It does, it does, because it was there and then it's just gone. Mm. Um, And to be able to have that conversation with a friend about, you know, these were my hopes and dreams and this is what I was hoping to name my baby. And I just think it validates that the baby existed and it also validates the grief. Back to Sam, who spends so much of her life wanting to be a mum. The key for me is ensuring that people feel, I think, empowered and able to make their own decision about when they want to tell, not have to wait till 12 weeks or 13 weeks. Or if you want to tell at six weeks, tell. Mm. If you want to tell at 20 weeks, tell. Whatever feels right for you is right for you. That's the message from SANS too. They don't advocate for the 12-week rule. 
they know so many parents need support earlier than this. It's your decision to tell who you want, when you want, but don't be worried about superstition or old wives' tales. Break the 12-week rule if that's what works for you. And if you've been through a pregnancy loss and need support, you can contact SANS. Their 24-hour helpline is 1300 072 637. And as always, ladies, we want to hear from you. You can send us an email at ladies at abc.net.au or call us on 1300 641 2. And hey, if you've got a lady in your life who should hear this episode, share it. The more we can talk about this stuff, the better. This podcast is produced by Cassandra Steeth and Olivia Willis. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner. Executive producer is Monique Bowley. And all going well, our first ladies' baby will be born in October. We're calling her Beyonce Malala Lee Sales. Ladies is mixed by Judy Rapley, with music production by honorary lady Martin Peralta. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. This is a production of ABC Audio Studios.